Healthy Hacker, Episode 16. Hello and welcome to The Healthy Hacker, where we talk about programming, puzzles, memory, fitness, diet, and everything else that you, a healthy hacker, find interesting. I'm Chris Hunt, and this week, I'm going to talk about how to get open source project maintainers and your coworkers, the people you work with, excited about the code you write by building the perfect pull request. Before we get into that, though, let's do the workout of the week. The workout of the week is a section where I like to take a workout that I've done recently or seen recently or someone told me about, and I share it with you, and hopefully sometime this next week, you'll get a chance to try it, and I'm going to try it too. So this week's workout has two components. The first thing you're going to want to do is find a ledge or a box or a bench or a stool or something that's about two feet high or 24 inches, something nice and solid that's two feet high. It can be a little bit under, a little bit more, but ballpark, that's the height you're looking for. We're going to do what's called a box jump. And a box jump is where you stand on the ground and then you jump up to the top of the thing that you found that's two feet tall. Usually, it's a box. That's why it's called a box jump. In CrossFit, you have these really nice wood boxes that are super stable and portable. But outside, you can find ledges or benches, like I mentioned earlier, that are about the same height. So find something like that, and that's where you're going to want to do the workout. So let me tell you now about the workout. You're going to want to do six rounds of 15 box jumps, so jumping onto that ledge or bench or box 15 times and then jumping down again. And correct form on a box jump is make sure you jump up to the top and get fully extended so your knees are totally locked out, your body's straight, and then you jump back down again onto the ground. You don't want to just jump up with knees bent and then step down again. You want to jump all the way up and then land all the way down again and get full extension on both ends. And I'll have a video in the show notes at healthyhacker.com slash 16 if you want to see how that's done. So after you've done 15 box jumps, the next thing you want to do is 10 handstand push-ups. Holy crap, that sounds impossible, right? For a lot of people, this may be impossible, but I'm still going to throw it in here because there's a nice modification you can do to make it easier. So if you want, try to find a wall and do a handstand up to that wall. So that means your back is facing the wall and your feet are against the wall. You don't actually have to balance on your hands. You're just standing on your hands and your back and feet are against the wall. And then you're going to bring your head to the ground and then push your head back up again so your arms are fully extended. That is a handstand push-up. If you can do that, then you're going to want to do 10 of those. If you can't do a handstand push-up, and a lot of people can't, totally fine if you can't do it, then a nice modification you can do here is just do push-ups. So 10 push-ups would be what you do instead. And then you're going to do six rounds of that. So again, the total workout is six rounds of 15 box jumps and 10 handstand push-ups or 10 regular push-ups, depending on what you can do. 
That's it. You should be able to do this almost anywhere, even in a hotel room, if you can find a really solid desk and you're not embarrassed of making a ton of noise. So good luck and check the show notes for videos if you want a little bit more help. The Healthy Hacker Podcast is brought to you by absolutely nobody because I don't want your money. But what I do want you to do is go to healthyhacker.com slash iTunes and leave me a review. Why do I want a review? Because more people will hear about the show. Also, I get to hear what you don't like about the show or what you do like about the show and include less and more of those things. So head on over to healthyhacker.com slash iTunes and leave me a review and make me happy. Thank you. So now it's time to talk about the perfect pull request, this magical way to propose code so that project maintainers and coworkers that you see every day eagerly await your code changes and are happy to merge them into the project and look forward to the next code change that you propose. Everybody's going to love you if you can write a perfect pull request. So for starters... What is a pull request? Well, I'm only going to spend just a couple seconds on this because I'm going to assume that most people know what it is. But if you don't, that's totally okay because I'm going to tell you right now. When you're working on a project, and this can be an open source project or this could be something you're working on at work, a lot of the times your code is going to be stored in some kind of version control system so that you can keep track of all the stuff you've built and all the stuff that you've broke and all the people that are working on the project and all the context around how you've changed your code. A lot of us nowadays use Git, and a lot of us host our projects on GitHub, meaning that we're going to either have public repositories that we share with the world. Those are usually called open source projects because anybody can see the code. And then we also have private repositories. And this is either code we don't want the world to see because it's our business, it's our super special sauce that we don't want to share with people, or maybe our repo's private just because we're embarrassed of the code, or we don't think that people are going to be interested in seeing it, or it's just not ready to reveal to the world yet. So we have these projects on GitHub, and the way that we work with other people and propose changes to this code is to use something called a pull request. And all this is is a form that people can fill out on github.com on your project that says, here is some new code or some changes to your existing code that I want you to merge in or pull into your project, and here are the reasons why I think you want it. So that is a pull request. I request you to please pull in my changes. So the funny thing with pull requests is, like I said, it's literally just a form on a web page. It's a text box. So the way that you build a pull request and submit your changes and propose and draft this you know, document that says, this is why you want my code. Here's the reasons I wrote this code. There's so many different ways that you can write that request that a lot of times people don't write a pull request as good as they could. A lot of times you'll write a pull request on a project and it'll just sit there for months or even years if the maintainers aren't very active. And the reason most of the time that your pull request goes unanswered is because the maintainer just didn't have the time to look at it or they looked at it and it wasn't actionable enough 
for them to actually do something with your code. Your pull request did not give them enough information, left too many questions unanswered. It didn't adhere to the style of the rest of the project and the way they like to write code. They have all this feedback they want to give you, but they just don't have the time to do it. So if you're able to write a pull request that project maintainers love or people you work with love, then it is going to get merged much faster and people are going to have a much better time working with you. So now I'm going to describe what I think is the perfect pull request based on the open source projects that I've been watching, the open source projects that I contribute to and maintain, and then also the companies that I've worked at in the past that use GitHub to host their code because these projects actually all have worked the same way. So I'm going to describe that process now. The first thing you want to do when you're using someone else's project or a project that you're not intimately familiar with and you have the idea of either fixing a bug or writing a new feature, the very first thing you should do before opening up a pull request is to go look at the project on GitHub and make sure that someone else hasn't already done this. This seems silly to mention this, but it's so common that I want to put it right in the beginning. The first thing you want to do is look at open pull requests and open issues at the project that you're thinking about contributing to. Because a lot of the time, someone out there noticed this same bug or this same feature that they want to implement, and they've already done it, and there's a discussion happening right now. The changes just haven't been merged in. So check those pull requests and issues. Make sure there's not already a discussion or already an open pull request doing the exact same thing that you're thinking about doing. Once you've done that, you verify that nobody else out there has already fixed your thing then the next thing you want to do is get familiar with the project. If this is something you're working on at work, then you're already familiar with the project. That's cool. But if this is an open source project that you're thinking about contributing to or you haven't contributed to that much, then the next step is to get familiar with the way the project works. Now, if this is a well-run open source project, a lot of times there's going to be a contributing document. It's going to be in the root of the project, and most of the time it's called contributing. And it could be a markdown document or a text document. This document is the first thing you're going to want to read. Just a few episodes ago, episode five, called the open source checklist, I talked about some things that I like to consider when creating an open source project. And one of those things is a contributing document. These are very important. You can listen to that episode at healthyhacker.com slash five. So if you're able to find a contributing document, give that a read. A lot of times it's going to talk about the style of the code in the project, not only the production code, but also the tests and the way that people like to test and kind of the testing methodology, whether you should submit tests, how to write your tests. A lot of times the code style is stuff that's kind of silly, but you should pay attention to because people are really religious about coding styles. Most of the contributing documents I've seen focus mostly on hash syntax or double quotes for single quotes, stuff that just seems weird that you even need to consider, but it's a non-starter if you don't do it correctly in your pull request. So focus on code style. The other thing that you're usually going to see in a contributing document is how the maintainers want you to format a pull request. Maybe people you need to mention or specific text that should go on the body of the pull request. And then another thing you can do is just go look through pull requests that have already been merged in, pull requests that have been closed, because you'll be able to find common replies that the maintainers give to people proposing code changes, and you can just factor those in right at the beginning so you don't have to make the same mistakes as everyone else. So read the contributing document and look through older PRs 
to make sure you don't make the same mistakes as other people. The next thing you want to do is go click through the open issues on the project and see if any of those can be resolved with the pull request you're about to open. So if you see a few bugs that you can knock out while you're making your code change because they're related, then write those down so you remember to mention those in your pull requests. Another thing you might notice when you're clicking through these open issues is you might see a, an alternative approach to the same feature that you're about to write. So you'll be able to toss your two cents into that issue instead of starting with code. You can just participate in a discussion that's already happening. So now you have a lay of the land. You kind of know how the project works and what you should put in your pull request based on what the maintainers have told you. So now it's actually time to start working on that pull request. Now, usually it's going to be one of two things. Either you're fixing a bug or you're adding a feature. If you're fixing a bug and this is obviously a bug, something that shouldn't be broken, then just start working on it. That's okay. But if this is a new feature, a change that you have not seen the maintainers talk about, you haven't seen a bunch of issues mentioning it, if this is something that people might object to or even a chance that they might object to, then you want to, before you start writing code, open an issue on the project and ask the maintainers if they actually want this feature. Because if you're about to spend a bunch of time writing code, making this beautiful thing and thinking really hard and then making this perfect pull request, you better make sure the maintainers actually want this feature. Otherwise, you're completely wasting your time. So open up an issue and just rope in the people you think are going to be appropriate and ask them, hey, do you really want this feature? I'd love to work on it for you. And maybe they'll have a bunch of tips they can give you or additional context that's going to help you write that feature. Or they'll just say no thanks and then you can stop right there. So now we're ready to actually start writing code. So fork the repository on GitHub. You'll see a big old fork button. It's usually in the upper right-hand corner. It moves around sometimes. Press the fork button and that's going to copy the repository over to your GitHub account so that you can start making changes to the code. Most projects are going to want you to now create a feature branch on your fork of the repository. And this actually isn't even necessary, but it's just good practice anyway. So just create a new branch and give it a wonderful name. A lot of people like to prefix branch names with their name so that they're able to identify them in a list of branches. They can easily point out the ones that belong to them. This actually isn't necessary anymore though because GitHub will show you what branches belong to you. So feel free to use a fun or clever or ironic branch name. Very popular on projects, I see that all the time and I like to do it too. So create this feature branch and start writing your beautiful, pristine, inspirational code. And make sure as you're working on your code, you're considering the style guide that you read, you're using the correct hash syntax, you're using single quotes or double quotes where appropriate, you're indenting properly. That stuff is really important when your pull request is open, it'll give a really bad or really good first impression. So use the correct style. And secondly, and more importantly, make sure you write at least one test. If this is a project that has no tests whatsoever, and they even say in their contributing document, we don't want your tests, still add a test. This is 2014. Everybody should have a test. The reason why you want to have a test is because it's going to demonstrate to the project maintainers what bug you're fixing. It's going to show the bug. It's going to show how your code is fixing that bug. And if you're writing a feature, your test is going to show how to use this new code that you just wrote. It's the perfect way to demonstrate 
why your code is necessary, and how to use it. Almost every project I've ever seen wants tests and they require tests, so you definitely want to have this here. But like I said, even if a project does not have tests, still add them and mention that the tests can be removed. But put them in there for context and to demonstrate the bug you're fixing and the way to use your code. Once this is done, you can now push your code back up to GitHub to your fork that you created to your wonderful feature branch, and then you're gonna create a pull request on the project that you wanna contribute to. Now you're already off to a wonderful start, right? Because you know your code has the right style, it's tested, it's ready to go, but now it's time to work on that pitch, that pull request box, that text field where you can literally put anything you want inside. So here's the part where you have a lot of flexibility and a lot of opportunity to really show off your code or your bug fix or just your personality. The number one thing I think about when creating a pull request is what can I do, what can I put in this pull request description to make it so that the maintainers do not need to run my code? I wanna make them so confident in these changes that they're just completely happy to push merge without even running my code. They can see that I understand how their project works, they can see all the other things that I've considered. They can see wonderful documentation. They can see link to other issues and other pull requests that have already happened that are related to the thing I'm working on, the issues that I'm resolving or the pull requests that have been closed that introduced a bug, things like that. They can see benchmarks, if appropriate. They can see, wow, look at this change. He's made it 10% faster. And look, this is the benchmark he ran. That's so awesome. I also want to make sure to put screenshots in. If I can at all, put a screen screenshot in. If it's at all appropriate, I love screenshots. They make pull requests look so polished. Animated GIFs of you clicking around, demonstrating this new feature, or if it's a terminal app, maybe you'll have a live little screencast playing there in the pull request. You can even link to a YouTube video with narration. Just shoot to the moon, people. Make it so that the maintainers have to do nothing at all to review your code, but look at your pull request and make it look like you really took the time to write this code so that they trust you and want to get this code into their project. If you've considered these things and built a pull request around this idea of making it unnecessary for maintainers to run your code, then most of the time your pull request is already gonna be perfect. So now the pull request is open the maintainers are going to get an email or see a notification. Most of the time, they're probably going to look at it right away, but they may not reply because they don't have time. But eventually, assuming your PR was exciting and interesting and full, you will receive feedback. Sometimes this feedback is going to say, wow, and then it's just going to merge it in. That's totally cool. But most of the time, you're going to get at least one comment that asks you to make a change or ask you a question. So go through each of those pieces of feedback that the maintainer sends in and address each one of them. Don't miss out on any of them. Make sure you address every single one so you can keep the feedback cycle going. If you agree with the piece of feedback and you think, yes, this is a good change, this is a change I want to make, then go ahead and make that change, push it back up to your branch, and then reply to that comment saying that you fixed that change. And you can even link to the commit if you wanna do that. If you don't agree with the feedback or maybe you've already considered that approach and decided that it wasn't a good idea, then reply saying that you don't agree or you've already considered this and explain why you didn't head that direction. Once you've addressed all the feedback, 
then now the ball is in the maintainer's court again and you are ready to sit on your butt and wait for them to come back with more feedback. You may continue this cycle two or three or four or five times, but most of the time it's only going to be one or two passes and then your stuff is going to be ready to merge. So before you merge, a lot of times what people are going to want you to do or what the maintainers are going to do for you is they're going to tidy everything up just a little bit. So what that means most of the time is using Git to squash that whole pull request into one commit. And then that one commit gets a descriptive name that describes what this feature is doing or what this patch is fixing, what bug it's fixing. And then the body of the commit is going to be almost identical to the body of that pull request. It's gonna describe all the context and reasons for this change, and then that one commit is gonna get either rebased or merged into master, and then you're totally done. The idea of squashing a whole pull request into one commit is actually a little bit controversial. Some people like that, some people hate it, but the reason why a lot of open source projects and companies like to do this is because the intermediate commits of you making mistakes and then fixing them based on feedback are not that valuable to a lot of people. I'm in the camp where I think they are valuable most of the time, but I think I'm in the minority. So a lot of people like to squash that down and say, look, here's this one commit that resembles this feature. And if there's a problem with this feature, this bug fix doesn't work, we can easily revert the whole thing by reverting this one commit. If we read through our history, it's so much easier to read because every commit is a full descriptive story of adding a feature, removing a feature, fixing a bug, and we don't need to keep track of all these intermediate things. So like I said, we've squashed everything down to that one commit, and then we've put it into the master branch and people will either do that by rebasing it or they'll push the big green merge button on github.com and the pull request will create a merge commit in the master branch. So now the last thing that you're gonna wanna do is go to the project page on github.com and click the big contributors tab and smile because you are now a contributor. That's my favorite part. And sometimes it's frustrating because it can take five or 10 minutes for your name to appear because GitHub needs to run a background job to regenerate the list of contributors. But eventually, you will see your name on the contributor list. So those tips are going to help you with 99.999% of projects you see on GitHub. Most projects work this way. They have a contributing document or they have contributing guidelines and they would prefer for you to adhere to those. They have code style guidelines, people they like to have CC, they have specific formats for their bugs and features, they have a specific way they review and they would all love for you to make it so they don't have to run your code. They probably will run your code, but they would prefer to see that you've really, really thought about the thing you're working on and you've done the work so they don't need to follow up. Now I say 99.99% because GitHub does it a very different way. GitHub the company. The way that GitHub uses pull requests is different than anywhere I've ever been in any way I've ever seen. It totally blew my mind and I actually worked a couple months at GitHub before even realizing that GitHub was doing this. So now let me explain how GitHub uses GitHub pull requests because it's kind of interesting. I'm not saying this is better, but it's definitely different. So here are some problems that you may experience or you may see with the way that I just described 
making a pull request. Now, first off, pull requests on your project, and you'll see this if you're a project maintainer, can often be very large and very unexpected. A lot of times people will have a weekend and they'll be free and they're like, oh man, I'm going to write some open source today. So they'll go to their favorite open source project. They'll start busting out all this amazing code, writing this feature they've always wanted. They've been thinking about it for so long. They're working for eight, nine, 10 hours. And then boom, Sunday night, they dump a pull request on you that is so big, it's going to take you the entire evening to review. Now I'm thankful when I see a pull request like that. But I was not budgeting the time to review this thing, nor was I even expecting it to appear. So this can kind of be avoided if you did like I recommended earlier and created an issue on the project and just ask the maintainer if you can contribute. You can avoid freaking them out with a giant pull request. But this still happens a lot of the times. You'll get a pull request that's huge and unexpected. Another thing that can happen that's really common, unfortunately, on pull requests is people can work really, really hard on a feature that you don't want or that you're already working on. Maybe you've written the code in a way where you didn't consider the rest of the program and there's going to be obvious performance issues here or something else, or maybe the maintainer is already working on this, like I said, and they're taking an alternative approach. So this is really sad when this happens. You see a pull request. Obviously, a lot of time has been spent on it, but we just don't want the feature. We're not interested in it or we're taking a different approach on it. The last thing you might notice, or maybe you don't notice, about the traditional pull request flow, the way I just described, is that it's not really a collaboration. It's more of one person or a group of people working on this feature and then proposing this massive set of changes and then you agreeing to take those changes in. It's not a collaboration. It's not a lot of back and forth. It's not working on a feature together with the maintainer or really getting this you know, synergy going. It's you going off in the corner, building code, and then coming back in a day or two or a week later and just proposing a massive set of changes. It would be nice, I think, to have more collaboration there. So let me describe how GitHub uses pull requests to resolve those issues I just mentioned. So initially, it's exactly the same. If I want to create a feature for github.com, I'm going to head off into a chat room or into an issues section of a project, and I'm going to start a conversation talking about this change and make sure that it's actually something that other people want. I'm then going to create a feature branch just like before, and I'm going to make some extremely ironic or witty branch name. This is very important at GitHub. You never want your branch name to actually reflect the thing that you're working on. Make sure it's ironic or funny or you know satirical, something like that. And here's where it gets different. I'm going to take that branch that I just created that has no code changes, and I'm going to push it back up to GitHub. So this is a branch that has nothing in it. It's just pointing at master at this point. And I'm going to make a very small change, the smallest possible change I can do. So if I was fixing a bug, this change would be just a failing test. That's all. I'll push that up. My commit message might be something like failing test for blah, blah, blah. I'll push the branch up and then I will immediately create a pull request. Now, I'm not even remotely done fixing this bug or adding this feature. I'm not even close. I've spent maybe five minutes on it. But I'm opening this pull request right now so that I can get the conversation going and make sure I'm not 
wasting my time. So in the body of the pull request, I'm going to say, here's the thing I want to fix, the bug I want to fix. This is why it needs to be fixed, or here's the feature I'm writing, and this is why we need to write this feature. I'll mention any issues I'm resolving. I'll make sure I CC or I include or at mention people that I think might be interested in these changes I'm about to propose, and then I'll open the pull request with just a failing test or just a little bit of documentation. And then I go back to working on my bug fixer feature. As I'm working now, I've already got people checking on my pull request, giving me feedback on not just the code that I've put in there, but the very idea itself. So as I'm writing code and busting things out and pushing up my commits as I'm working, people are seeing the commits appear on the pull request and I'm working in the open. People are commenting on my commits as they're being pushed to GitHub. It's very, very collaborative. A lot of the times I'll even have the pull request open on another screen and GitHub has like a background refresh that it's doing, a polling, so you can see comments appear as people are commenting. So if I'm pushing up a failing test and maybe I've got some bad syntax on there or I'm writing a feature that's a horrible idea, I will see a comment pop up, I'll see somebody mention, hey, you know, we're working on something that you might wanna see over here or we've actually already fixed this bug, but it's in a different branch, and I'll be able to immediately check that out and either close out my pull request because we're not interested anymore, or I can take a different direction and don't have to waste time burying myself in code that nobody wants to see. So instead of having the normal pull request cycle of creating beautiful code, pushing it to GitHub, getting feedback, addressing the feedback, pushing more beautiful code, getting more feedback, and then addressing the feedback. Instead of doing that, it's very much a collaboration. People are commenting as I'm coding and I'm making corrections or addressing feedback as I'm coding. It seems like it could be a little bit annoying at first, constantly having to go back and forth and addressing feedback and writing code, but it turns out that in the long run, it saves a lot of time because I spend less time banging my head against the wall and more time working on parts of the code that really matter and features that people really want me to work on. For example, if I'm working on a migration in my pull request, I wanna add a column to a database or I want to add some constraint to a database and I'm not 100% sure this is the way I wanna go, I can create a commit, push it up to my pull request and then immediately comment on my own commit CCing someone I know who is a database master. And I could say, what do you think about this migration? Should I do this a different way? Should I add a different table here? What do you think? And then I can go back to doing what I'm doing, knowing that that person's going to pop in when they get a moment and let me know the correct way to move forward so that I can change my code and push it up. Sometimes the people that I mention in a pull request will even start writing code for me because I don't own my branch. Anybody can push to my branch. I'm not working in a fork. So if I'm designing some new tab on my profile page on github.com and I'm horrible at writing CSS or I'm horrible at designing, I could CC someone who I know loves designing pages and they'll hop in my branch while I'm working on it and just start pushing up commits that have styled the pages that I'm working on. So we'll both be pushing commits at the same time. And this would not be possible if we had this traditional feedback cycle going on. And I could pull down the changes and push my changes and pull down their changes and push my changes. It's a lot of fun. It's a totally different way to work. 
When finally the feature or this bug request is done, then the other thing that GitHub does differently than other places I've worked or other projects I've worked on is most people don't rebase or squash their commits. They'll have all kinds of junk in their pull requests. They'll have these whip commits with horrible messages. They'll have spelling errors. They'll have all these intermediate commits. They'll have white space corrections, all kinds of garbage where before GitHub, I would be extremely paranoid about committing to the code base. But most people at GitHub, most teams at GitHub, leave the history as is and don't muck with it. When something's ready to be merged in, they just push the merge button and into master it goes. Now, I understand this can seem really dirty, and it totally felt dirty to me, but the idea here is that GitHub.com is going to be the one true source for our code base, not the git history. The git history is just that, it's a history. It lets us revert things and blame people, but if we want a really good description of this feature or this bug request, and we wanna see all the context around it, the people that were involved in working on it, the decisions that were made, then that should be on github.com. It's gonna be in the pull request itself. It's gonna be in all that conversation that we have in the pull request. It's gonna be in the issues that we've linked to in the pull request. It's gonna be in the animated GIFs that we've attached to the pull request, in the jokes that we've had in the chat logs. All of that context is not in the Git history. So that's the important context. That's the stuff we wanna look back on. So if I'm looking at the github.com code base and I have a question about a specific line, what I'll usually do is I'll blame that line and get the SHA, the Git SHA, the unique identifier for the commit that added or changed that line. And I'll search for that SHA on GitHub. And the cool thing is when you search for a SHA on GitHub, you'll see the pull request that introduced that commit. So now you can open the pull request and see all the context, not just for that one commit, but you'll see all the context for that feature or that bug request and all the links that take you everywhere and all the people that were involved and all the alternative directions that people went down. It answers so many questions and it's so much more than what you can get by looking at the Git history. So those are two different approaches, two different methods that I've seen for opening up, quote, perfect pull requests, right? We've got the common method that I see on open source projects and everywhere else I've worked. And then we've got this interesting and completely different GitHub flow of handling pull requests. Choose whichever one you like for your own project because it's totally up to you. That's the great part about being a project maintainer. But make sure when you're contributing to a project, you pay attention to the way that they're already dealing with their project and make a perfect pull request tailored to what the maintainers are looking for. If you know of any projects out there that have some interesting and unique way of handling pull requests, I would love to know. So please leave a comment in the show notes at healthyhacker.com slash 16. And if you have a question or comment that you want to share on another show, or you just want to hear yourself talking, send me a voicemail at healthyhacker.com slash voicemail.